still dark, right? <laughs> Darkness can be a little unnerving, can it? Darkness can put us on edge a little bit, can it? Darkness can make us afraid. Darkness can make your mind race a little bit, can it? Darkness can let your imagination run wild with all kinds of things that might be hidden in the corner or some shadow you might see cast on the wall. But darkness puts us on edge. Darkness makes us uncomfortable. And there's a reason why, because we aren't made to live in the dark. We aren't made to spend our entire lives in the dark. Darkness is part of life sometimes. We find ourselves in seasons of darkness, but you weren't made to live your life there. And so darkness scares us. When we were kids, a lot of us were afraid of the dark, right? And so our parents or our loved ones would do everything they possibly could to help us get over our fear of the dark. And one of the greatest inventions ever created after electricity was this beautiful thing called a nightlight. <laughs> Nightlights are there to bring you comfort. Nightlights are there to shine a light in a very dark room. I have a nightlight this morning. Now, for the record, this is not my nightlight. My nightlight is a race car nightlight. This is my daughter's nightlight. Every night when she goes to bed, we turn this light on. And it's small, right? There's not much light. Just little LED lights coming off of Tinkerbell's wings. But it brings just enough light into her room to show her that there aren't actually monsters living under her bed. To show her that that creepy thing in the corner is just her dresser. It's not somebody waiting to kidnap her or something. It shows her that if she has to get up in the middle of the night, there's a path to get out of the room. Whether that's to go to the bathroom or to end up in my bed, which happens every so often. But this light brings my daughter comfort. This light shows her that there is still a way out even in the darkest of rooms. You see, you and I were made to live in the light. You and I need light. Light is powerful, isn't it? Even the smallest shred of light in a dark room can make a huge difference. It can totally change your perspective. It can totally change how you view the situation that you're in. Because light is that important. Now, some of you are scared right now, so we're going to go ahead and bring up the lights, because I know some of you are just really anxious, and you can't do this anymore. So let's go ahead and bring up some of the lights now. Oh, there you go. Doesn't that just feel better now? Everybody feel good? All right, good. Because light is that important. We need light. Jesus understood that you and I need light in our lives. Jesus understood the importance of light in the first century culture that he lived in. Because if you think about it, this was before the days of electricity, before the days of night lights, before the days of warehouses with huge lit workbenches where you can send a night shift, a night shift of people in to work 24 hours a day. You couldn't do that back then. And so in order to get stuff done, you needed the light of day. 
Jesus understood the importance of that so much so that he actually compared himself to light, which was a big, bold statement to make. And right now, we're in the middle of this series called I Am, where we're looking at these different statements that Jesus made, where he describes himself in a certain way. We've looked at things like Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. These are big, bold statements that most people won't make about themselves. But Jesus was willing to do it because Jesus understood some things about himself and about the world that he lived in. And so today, this next statement that we're going to look at is Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. What a big, powerful statement that is. Because light is powerful, isn't it? Even the smallest amount of light is powerful. And so Jesus wanted to talk about this idea of light and dark. And so he does that in John chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up to John chapter 8. You can follow along on the screen. You can follow us along on our uh, events page through the YouVersion app. There's lots of different ways to follow what we're going to be doing this morning. But John chapter 8 is important because Jesus makes this statement that he is the light of the world. Now, John chapter 8, to give you some context of what's going on here, Jesus is actually in the temple speaking and teaching. And he's teaching to a group of people, and inside this group of people are a group of guys called the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were these religious leaders of the day, and they were always doing everything they possibly could to discredit Jesus, to trip him up, to prove that he truly wasn't the Messiah. And so they were always testing him. They were always throwing things at him and trying to get him to figure out how to get out of this situation and how would you handle that situation. And they did everything they could to try to trip him up. In fact, in the beginning of John chapter 8, the Pharisee, Jesus in the temple, the day before this story that we're going to read today, they, the Pharisees bring a woman who was caught in adultery to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, this woman was cheating on her husband. She deserves to be, the law says we should kill her. What do you say? And Jesus kind of steps back. He writes a little bit in the dirt. Then he stands up and he says, okay, whichever one of you hasn't sinned, go ahead and throw the first stone. And one by one, the Pharisees leave. Jesus kind of drops the mic and he moves on. I mean, he makes these big, bold, decorative statements that are just huge. And then right after that, the next day, Jesus is back in the temple and he makes this statement, I am the light of the world. And it drove the Pharisees crazy that he would say things like this. And so let's look at it. Let's look at John chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 12 through 15. And we're going to see the words of Jesus and how Jesus saying these things actually has an impact on you and I. And so Jesus is in the temple. The Pharisees are listening in. And Jesus says this, starting in verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you're making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I don't judge anyone. 
And so Jesus makes this claim. And let's just say the Pharisees didn't appreciate it, right? They didn't like it. They didn't agree with this idea that Jesus is actually saying that he is the light of the world. Why on earth would you say that? And then Jesus' response is interesting. Because the Pharisees say, you're not valid. You can't just walk in this room and say that about yourself. Like if one of you walked in this room and stood up here and said, I am the light of the world. A lot of us would react a lot like the Pharisees, wouldn't we? We'd be like, nope, no you're not. What's your proof? Give us some, give us some data here that shows. Give us, a, give us a, a story, a person, a witness that can tell us that you are the light of the world. And Jesus' response is interesting. He says, listen, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. Jesus knows where he came from. He came from the Father. He came from the Father to this earth to live that, that perfect life for us. So he knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. He knew what he was on earth for. He knew he was here on earth to die and be a sacrifice for us. Jesus knew his mission. He knew his purpose. The, the Pharisees didn't have the whole picture. They didn't have the whole story. They didn't know all of it. And it drove them crazy. But here's the thing. The Pharisees bring up an interesting point. They say, wait a minute, you can't just say that about yourself. That's not valid. But if you actually look in the Gospels and you look in other parts of the Bible, there are numerous people that compare Jesus to light. It wasn't just Jesus saying this about himself. There are multiple places where other people say that Jesus is a light. One of those places comes from Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, there's a guy by the name of Simeon. And Simeon, Simeon is a righteous man. And he's living his life for, for Christ, and he wants to see the Messiah. He wants to see the Messiah walk on earth. And Simeon meets Jesus as a small child. And this is what Simeon says in Luke chapter 2. He says that Jesus is a light to reveal God to the nations. This was before Jesus made any claim about himself. This, he was a small child. And yet people saw this in Jesus. People who watched Jesus live his life. People who saw him perform miracles. People who saw him act out the things that he was talking about. Saw that there was something so incredibly different about him. And were willing to compare him to something as important in that culture as light. And so you have these multiple people saying this about Jesus. So the question is this, and the question we've been wrestling with through this whole series is this. Do you believe it? If Jesus is going to say these big, bold things about himself, do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he was? If you believe it, then something should be changing about the way we live our lives. Because either Jesus is a crazy person that ran around saying unbelievably bold things about himself, or he truly is the light of the world. And if he truly is the light of the world, how does that change you and I? How does it make our lives different today? That's what I want us to look at this morning. What I want to do is I want to take verse 12, and I want to, just, I want to go quickly phrase by phrase through verse 12. And I want us to look at these different phrases and how these different phrases can make an impact on how we live our lives here, now, today. And so let's look at it. Let's look at John chapter 8, 
verse 12. And we're going to break it down phrase by phrase. And here's the thing. So we're starting with the statement that Jesus makes. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Okay, if Jesus is the light of the world, then the first thing that we need to recognize is this. If Jesus is the light of the world, then we have a choice. Then we have a choice. Look at the very next statement that Jesus makes. I am the light of the world. If you follow me. If you follow me. If you follow me. Jesus is giving us a choice. Jesus is giving us an option. Jesus is never going to force us to love him. He's never going to force us to follow him. Jesus has given, God has given us this beautiful, wonderful, confusing, messy gift of free will. And free will is a beautiful gift because it, would it be, listen, life would be far easier if God just said, you know what, you're going to follow me, I'm going to tell you you're going to follow me because I know what's best for you. And listen, our lives would be probably better because of that. But God has given us this gift of free will so that we have the choice whether or not we are going to follow him. He's not going to force us to do it so that we resent him later on or we have these feelings about him later on, but he's giving us the option to follow him. With Jesus, it will always be an invitation and not a command. It will always be an invitation and not a demand. It's our choice whether we are going to follow him. And so what do we do with that choice? There are many places in Scripture where Jesus offers us this invitation, where he gives us the option whether or not we are going to follow him. One of those places comes from Revelation chapter 3. In Revelation chapter 3, it's a pretty famous verse. Uh, Jesus is speaking to one of the churches that this, verse, that this uh, book is written to. And this is what he says, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. It's an interesting picture of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And then here's what's interesting. There's that word if again, isn't there? If. If you hear my voice. If you open the door. Jesus isn't going to beat down your door with an axe and run in and just start condemning and judging you. What does Jesus want in this verse? What is Jesus asking for? To spend time with us to share a meal with us, to be with us, for us to be together, growing our relationship together. It's an invitation. It's an invitation from God. It's a knock on the door from God. And it's our choice whether or not we choose to answer that door. Now, it's interesting that the, the, the image here is somebody knocking on the door. In our culture today, we rarely get, especially a, a surprise knock at our door, don't we? We rarely get that. Usually, if somebody's coming to your house, they text you and say, hey, I'll be there in 15 minutes. Okay, great, we're expecting that. When the doorbell rings or somebody knocks on the door, we know who it is. But there's that uh, every so often time where somebody knocks on your door and you don't know who it is. And 95% of the time, it's either a salesman or a Jehovah's Witness, right? It's somebody that wants something from you. And when that happens, just like when Jesus knocks at the door, we have a choice, don't we? 
We can choose to open the door, engage in conversation with that, people, with that person and see where it goes, or we can run to the nearest closet and hide. We can jump on our bedroom floor and try not to breathe. We can yell at our kids, don't say anything, shh. We don't want them to know we're home, right? And we hide and we ignore them and we, and we try everything we can to not make a sound so that, and don't act like you haven't done this, all right? Come on. Jeez, some of you are like, oh, I'd never do that. Lies, all right, you've done it. We all run and hide and we don't answer the door. Because, listen, it's just not somebody we want to engage with. It's just not somebody we want to talk to. It's not somebody we want to have a conversation with, right? The truth of the matter is, is a lot of us treat Jesus the same way. Jesus knocks on the door and we run and hide. Jesus offers us an invitation and we hide in the closet and try to act like we aren't home. And there's a lot of reasons why we might not answer the door. We might feel guilt. We might feel shame. We might feel like we're not worthy enough to be in the presence of Jesus. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is just going to walk away. The invitation is always there to open the door and to let Jesus in and to spend time with him. To learn and to grow and to become more of the person that he wants us to become. But it's a choice. If you follow me, if you hear my voice, if you open the door. Many of you in this room have answered the door when Jesus knocked. You have a relationship with him. You've put your trust in him. You're trying your very best to live your life for him. And that's great. But maybe there's one door in your house that you don't want Jesus to open. Maybe there's one corner that you don't want Jesus to see. Jesus, yeah, come on in, let's have a meal, but just don't go down the hall for me, okay? Like, just stay out of there. There's some stuff I'm not ready to talk about yet. And if that's you, what's keeping you from opening that extra door? What's keeping you from allowing Jesus to work on the things that are going on in your life? To make you a better person, to shape you and mold you into the kind of person that he wants you to be. There also might be some of you in this room that have never opened the door. You've never accepted that invitation that Jesus offers. You've never thought about what it means to put your trust in him, to try to live your life for him, to, to spend time with him, to grow and to learn through reading your Bible, through prayer, through being in community with other people. I would just invite you to open the door to Jesus. Just to spend time with him. See what happens. See what changes about you when we make ourselves available to him. Because if Jesus is the light of the world, we have a choice. Second thing, if Jesus is the light of the world, then darkness shouldn't scare us. Then darkness shouldn't scare us. <clears throat> the next statement that Jesus makes is this, I am the light of the world, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. You won't have to walk in darkness. Jesus doesn't want us stumbling around in the dark. Jesus doesn't want us trying to find our way on our own. He wants to help us. He wants to be a part of our lives. And so the darkness shouldn't scare us because Jesus is offering 
some kind of light to help, help us get out. Jesus goes on in John chapter 12, and in John chapter 12, he starts talking about this idea of light and dark again. And in John chapter 12, verses 35 and 36, here's what Jesus says. He says, he's talking to his disciples and talking about how his time on earth is kind of winding down and how they have this, um, this opportunity to, to learn and grow from him. And he says this, My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. Those middle two uh, sentences are pretty important. Jesus says, those who walk in darkness cannot see where they are going. True statement, right? If you're walking around in the dark, you have no idea where you're going. The sentence right before that, Jesus says this. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. There are times in our lives where darkness overtakes us, aren't there? It's going to happen. We are going to find times where we make a wrong turn, do something wrong, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in the dark. And it's very easy for darkness to overtake us and for us to lose hope and for us to lose joy because all we see is the dark. But we have this hope that we can become the children of light. And when we have that hope, even when we find ourselves in the dark, the darkness shouldn't scare us. Think about this. What happens when you walk around in the dark? In your, in your home or in your room, what happens when you walk around in the dark? You run into stuff, don't you? You knock stuff over. You break stuff. You make a mess. You stub your toe. You step on a Lego that your kid left laying out. Then you say bad words. And you get angry, right? All of those same things are true in our lives whenever we find ourselves walking around in the dark. When we walk around in the dark, we run into stuff. We knock stuff over. We break stuff. We make a mess. We stub our toe. We step on a Lego, and it hurts. It's painful. There are things that happen when we find ourselves in the dark that hurt us, and that might hurt others as well. And when that happens, we get frustrated, don't we? And we get angry. And we say things that we regret. And we do things that we wish we hadn't done. And it's easy to let the darkness overtake us. And just let the anger fill us. And let the hate fill us. And let all of the frustration and all the things that are going wrong overtake us. But Jesus says, no, there is still hope. That even in the darkest of rooms... We can look for the shred of light, no matter how far away it might be, no matter how distant and dim it might seem. There is still hope somewhere. And I believe that that hope comes from Jesus, from the one who is willing to say, I am the light of the world. So we shouldn't let the darkness overtake us. We shouldn't let the darkness um, scare us to the point where we can't have hope. Jesus is always going to offer us a way out. And that brings us to the last statement. If Jesus is the light of the world, if we follow him, we won't have to walk in darkness, 
And then the last statement is this. Because, because you will have the light that leads to life. Because you will have the light that leads to life. And so if Jesus is truly the light of the world, we can experience the light. We can experience the light. Not just see the light. Not just get a glimpse of the light. But experience the light in our lives. To have an experience with God because of what he is offering us. Jesus wants us to experience the light. Jesus doesn't want to just make us happy. Jesus doesn't want to just give you all the things that you want in this life. Jesus wants to give you a life that is rewarding. A life that is on purpose. A life that is on mission. A life that has something far more rewarding and fulfilling and meaningful than just getting stuff that makes us happy. Jesus wants to be joyful people that can find joy even in the darkest of circumstances. And we can only do that when we fully experience the light. Not just see it, not just say, hey, there it is, but experience it. Walk into it. Spend time growing in our relationship with Jesus. And when that happens, we begin to experience the light. Later on in John chapter 12, Jesus is still talking about this idea of light and dark. And in verse 46, Jesus says this, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Jesus doesn't want us in the dark. Jesus doesn't want us to remain in the dark. Jesus is going to offer us a way out that allows us to experience the light that leads to life. Real life. Living in the dark can be frustrating, can it? We aren't going to be as effective and as efficient as we possibly can be. Let me, let me give you an example. I need a volunteer, actually. I need somebody that feels like they're a decent artist. Who feels like they're a decent artist? Who's really scared and doesn't want to raise their hand right now? Who feels like they're a decent artist? Who's a good artist? Give me somebody. Aiden. Aiden, are you a good artist? Okay, good. Come on up. Because your mom is just volunteering you like crazy right now. Come on up, Aiden. All right, Aiden's a good artist. So here we go. Here's what I'm going to do, Aiden. I'm going to give you this clipboard. There you go. And this Sharpie marker. Don't write on your face or anything. Just Okay, there you go. And this blindfold. Actually, here. Put the blindfold on first. I'll hold this for you. All right, go ahead and put the blindfold on. There you go. All right, so Aiden, you're a pretty good artist, right? Can you see anything right now? So if I, like, punched you in the face, you wouldn't see it coming? Okay, good. Just, just keeping that in mind. All right, here we go. Hold that. Okay, there's your clipboard. And here, here's your marker. Okay, good. Now, in a moment, I'm going to put a picture on the screen. And I'm going to describe that picture to you. And you are going to do your very best to draw that picture. All right? But you can't see anything, right? Okay, good. All right, so... Uh, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to describe it to you, and as I describe it, you draw what I say. Do it pretty quickly, all right? We don't have all day here. We're burning daylight. So here we go. Here's the picture. All right, now, don't worry about them laughing, Aiden. It's not a big deal. All right, Aiden, this is a portrait, all right? So you know what a portrait is, right? Good. All right, it's a portrait of a lady. It's just a headshot from, like, her shoulders up. So I need you to draw a face. Go ahead and draw a face. Just do it quick. Don't think. Just... Just draw. There you go. Excellent. All right. That's a beautiful face. All right. She has long hair. So give her some long hair. Long, yeah. Great. 
keep going. She's kind of bald on one side there. Go ahead and fill it in. There you go. Excellent. All right, good. Now, she has eyes, so let's put some eyes in there, some, like, oval-shaped eyes. Perfect. Excellent. All right, good. And she's got a nose, so let's give her a nose. Okay, good. And a mouth. Let's draw a mouth on there. <laughs> That's a great spot for a mouth. All right, good. Um, now, she's got a neck and some shoulders, so let's go ahead and add those in, too. Yeah, yeah, great. Excellent. All right, good. All right, so here, let me take this. All right, and you go ahead and take your blindfold off. And there is your work of art. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Here, here's Aiden's work of art. It's gorgeous. I mean, just spot on. Aiden, I was trying to have you draw the Mona Lisa. <laughs> All right, thanks for your help, Aiden. Give him a nice round of applause. You did a good job. All right. Now, this is, let's, let's be honest, this is beautiful, but it's not quite the Mona Lisa, right? I mean, the eyes are all the way up in her hair. Her neck kind of starts in her mouth. I don't know. It's, it's a good effort, but it's not the Mona Lisa, right? Why not? Because Aiden couldn't see. Aiden was blind. And Aiden was trying to take direction from me, and I wasn't be exactly being very descriptive to him, was I? I wasn't giving him the best instructions. And so this was what Aiden could do with a blindfold on and very limited instructions. And that's how many of us live our lives. We're not living the most effective and efficient life we could possibly be living because we're stumbling around in the dark, trying to figure it out on our own, trying to do this stuff by ourselves. But Jesus wants us to be in the light so that we can experience the light. Not just so that, again, we can be happy, so that we can be effective for Him. So that we can grow in our relationship with Him. But we have to be willing to experience the life. Life, life is meant to be lived in the light. It's far better, it's far more effective, and it's far more fulfilling. If we make the decision, if we accept the invitation to live in the light. So the world can be dark, but there is always hope, even in the darkest of situations. That if Jesus truly is the light of the world, then that should change how you and I live our lives. That should change our perspective. That should change our attitude and our relationships with other people. And so let me leave you with a few questions. If Jesus is the light of the world, have you answered the invitation that he's given you? Have you made the choice to follow him? Maybe it's for the first time, and if it's for the first time, if, you, if that's you, if you don't know exactly where you're at with Jesus, if you want to know more about what it looks like to put your trust in him, man, come find me when we're done. Well, there will be people down here that would love to spend time with you and pray with you and talk to you and answer some questions you might have. But maybe for some of you, it's time to open that door for the very first time. To let Jesus in. To begin building that relationship with him. For some of you, have you it, maybe it's time to answer that knock on the door a little further. And a little more. And a different part of your life than maybe you've, than maybe you've let Jesus have a, a, a word or a, a, an influence in before. So have you answered the invitation? Have you opened the door and spent time with him? Learned from him? Trusted him? Grown in your relationship with him? Second, have you let go of your fear of the dark? Have you let go of your fear of the dark? 
Are you realizing that you don't have to let the darkness overtake you? That you don't have to let the circumstances of what's going on around you overtake you? This world can be very dark, can it? As beautiful and as amazing as this world can be, it can also be very dark. And even in this dark world, we can have hope. We don't have to let the darkness overtake us. We don't have to find ourselves stumbling around in the dark. And then finally, are you, experiencing, are you experiencing the light that leads to life? The light that leads to life. Are you learning and growing from your relationship with Jesus? Or are you just asking him for a Christmas list of stuff that you want? Because I believe it will be far more effective and fulfilled and joyful if we let Jesus, let Jesus mold us and shape us into the people he wants us to be. And so if Jesus is the light of the world, then we will always have hope. We will always have a way out. We will always have something to look forward to because of what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word and for what it teaches us every single time we meet here and every single time we open it up on our own and what it is that you show us and how you mold us and shape us. God, I pray that that happens for each and every one of us this week. That as we look more at your words, as we look more at at, at opening the door to the invitation that you're giving us, God, shape us into the people that you want us to be. May we live in the light and experience the light in a way that we never have before. And God, when we experience that light, may it change us. May it change the way that we interact with the world around us. God, you are good to us. You've proven that time and time again. And I can't think of better proof than sending Jesus to be the light of the world. God, thank you for that gift. Thank you for this time that we have together to look at it, to encourage each other, to strengthen each other, to help each other along the way. May you be glorified with what happens with our lives even as we leave this room now. And it's your name we pray. Amen. You know, it's interesting. Jesus called himself the light of the world. But in Matthew chapter 5, he also invites us to be the light of the world as well. That we, He's inviting us to be part of this this example of Christ to the world around us. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus calls us the light of the world as well. So you and I have a role to play. You and I have responsibility in bringing about this kingdom of God. And so as we leave this morning, I want to use the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5 as our benediction, as my prayer for you, as we leave this room and go out to live a life that leads to light. Let me try that again. Live a life that leads to to the light and is an example of the light to the world around us. So let's stand. Let's stand. This is my prayer for you as we leave this room from the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. So this week, as you live in the light that leads to life, may you realize that you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your 
good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. May you and I be the light to a dark world this week. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a